Hello and welcome to Cloud Insiders, the podcast that brings cloud down to earth, brought to you by Extrovert. A very warm welcome to you all and thank you for joining us. My name is Stuart Robinson and I'll be your host. In this episode, we're talking about digital workspace, the savior of 2020, the enabler of the remote workforce, flexible working, hybrid working, working from home, however you define it, digital workspace delivers it. Today, I'm joined by Curtis Brown, extrovert, lead consultant, Cloud Insider's frequent flyer, an all-round awesome guy. Thank you so much for coming on today, Curtis. Well, thanks for the invite. You know, all this uh, digital workspace stuff has kept me very, very busy, of course. And uh, thanks out there for all those people who are investing in it because it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so as I mentioned, it's not the first time you've brought your vast digital workspace knowledge to Cloud Insider's listeners. Let's take a step back and um, look at what we're talking about today. Um, in the interest of positivity, let's just say that 2020 was a challenging year. Um, and for many companies, digital workspace was the savior that enabled businesses to keep going whilst the entire workforce was told to work from home. Um, we learned in recent episodes, such as our one with Tom McVeigh um, of Menlo, that solutions were deployed. They were done quite quickly and you know they were done to meet the demands of the time, but not necessarily to scale or to fit or certainly not for long term security. Now that the dust is settling and companies and individuals have adapted to remote working and the kind of ethos that comes with that, can companies now step back and revisit some of the quick fixes and decisions and the work that was done in 2020? What warning signs should businesses be looking for from these quick fix solutions? What do organizations need to do to steady what they already have and to strategize for the future of their digital workspace? Well, I think there's a number of facets to this. I think a lot of companies are already quite aware they did somewhat rush headlong out of necessity into that. But they also need to consider in some respects um, replaying their own experiences as the companies um, taking their existing solutions and scaling it out. So considering the issues that were encountered, what was reported by the users, replay some of those help desk calls that come in. Why is my thing slow? Why is my uh, accessibility limited? Those sort of questions will need to be they may have been, shall we say, brushed under the carpet in some instances. The old argument of usability versus security may have left some gaps in the uh, gaps in the solution that may need revisiting and re-securing uh, or enhancing. Uh, there may need to be a revisiting of the solution as a whole from an infrastructure perspective. Um, are we looking at a solution that was scaled at a particular time but is no longer resilient because you've filled up the capacity do we need to look at re revisiting that resilience factor um, are your users going to go back to the way they were or are they going to continue to work in this sort of flexible work anywhere capability i already know of a number of customers who were very very traditional work nine till five monday to friday in the office type affairs who are now saying, well, actually, we can function in the new world in this context of not everybody being in the office. There's already discussions around some companies freeing up office space and reducing um, reducing costs, having hot desk uh, policy become the norm. So it becomes a question there. If that's the case, do you then need to more productionize your working environment that may have been scaled for maybe 
20% of your workforce previously um, and has been stretched to 80, 90% in the interim and it's creaking at the seams. Now you need to assess whether or not your numbers of concurrent users that are going to be working in that context need to be um, in the office, out of the office. How are they going to work? And then build that, those requirements into how you revisit your architecture. So you mentioned there that um, you've kind of heard about or you've been working with some of these more traditional um, models until they had to adapt to um, hybrid strategy. What were the hesitations stopping them moving, adopting one before COVID? Certain industries obviously have a lot of um, compliance regulations, um, security concerns and so forth. And in some cases, um, somewhat traditional mindsets, um, particularly with respect to remote working or more to the point, leveraging, say, cloud resources to either service or, or support uh, application and business processes. Um, and in some of those instances, those organizations that were very traditional in their mindset were effectively forced into having uh, um, to adopt these new solutions. And it becomes a case really of whether they are happy with that now, um, and whether it's still appropriate to do so. But in a lot of those cases, a lot of those customers are finding that it is and it can work. And they've got over the um, they've kind of been forced a tough love mechanism almost of being pushed into this by the needs of the last year. And now they're realizing, actually, yeah, it can work. And some of that isn't just technical either. Some of it is as much business philosophy as well. This is the sort of social order within a business, whether or not people uh, are productive working from home. That was also a very traditional concern with people working from home. Are they going to be productive? And in general, it's been proved to be the case that in a lot of cases they are. People are pretty, pretty motivated. Yeah. Um, that's cool. And so, so technology um, was the great enabler then, um, and digital workspace was definitely one of the key ones in that to keep businesses running through 2020 um, and modernizing the workspace and making the distributed workforce a reality, really. Without it, we wouldn't be able to. So when I was researching, I came across a lot of figures that say how remote working, even beyond the pandemic, will continue. I was reading on the um, Hub staff blog, that 58% of companies asked said that they would be adopting a hybrid plan for remote working and um, in-office approach. Um, only 15.5 said they were planning to go full-time back to office work. What is your experience of this? Would you agree that this is going to be, and I hate using the term, the new normal? Um, I think we were moving slowly in that direction anyway. Um, companies certainly are starting to appreciate that flexibility. Um, it started, of course, with your typical Salesforce type personnel and uh, field engineer type people who would be out and about anyway. Um, and so there's always been a pressure to provide those with um, access to data and applications and services. So that, that ship was already starting to sail. And even to the point where you had organizations even a decade plus ago um, starting to look at offshoring and using technology to achieve that. And if you consider offshoring as basically being remote working, we were already moving in that direction anyway. What we're looking at now is um, ex extrapolating that in some respects to those people who would traditionally work in an office environment and enabling them to be able to function. And that's not necessarily all of the time. It may only be a number of days a week, but to be able to provide those users with that capability People have gotten used to it. 
And if you're faced with a business that wants to keep the best staff you're, and you've got a policy of pulling people into the office and those people are looking at other jobs elsewhere, maybe attracted to being able to work from home a few days a week from a convenience perspective, it becomes a very competitive and a compelling argument for, uh, in, the, in, the, in the role of um, staff retention. So it becomes a factor. But I think ultimately it is around flexibility and the econ- there can be economic arguments to back that up as well. So now that it's become part of the status quo, what aspects of a digital workspace solution are an absolute necessity and what are the ones that you can add on top so that you're really winning at digital workspace? <laughs> it's a really good question. And I don't think there's necessarily even one answer. Um, and I'm always banging this drum and probably get told to change the record, but it always boils down to what are your requirements? Don't just take the philosophy of if they build it, they will come because invariably you will fail um, because you will meet some of the requirements some of the time. It really needs a deep understanding and those understand that don't that requirement gathering should never end it should it shouldn't be a point in time thing um, as we've found what was fit for purpose to even even a year two years ago isn't necessarily the case now so it becomes a case of a, a living a living entity continually revisiting those requirements what do your staff need to use to work and in what context do they wish to work? What kind of devices and what locations? And then beyond that, what are the business requirements in terms of uh, performance, capability, security? And let's remember security has never been off the agenda, even through lockdown and should never be ignored. Um, in fact, if anything, it's been rich pickings for um, those naughty people who go hacking and so forth and breaching security because of this rush to provide remote working capabilities is potentially led to openings whether it's socially engineered or otherwise to intervene with users yeah because they were working from home anyway these naughty people so they're kind of used to it and they're very motivated yeah and i think um but it's a very good play on the people who weren't and it's very easy to consider that those people who are working from home now um, who weren't used to it previously didn't have to take security quite so seriously or didn't take security quite so seriously because they were in their nice cosseted office environments within with the device that was bolted to their desk and was on the network and was managed and maintained. Now, if you take that office laptop out of that environment, all of a sudden that office laptop is in and of itself a point of access. It could get stolen. So what do you do to keep it protected in the event of it gets stolen. Well, you encrypt the device. You might then look at encrypt uh, VPN or other solutions to get remote access, all of which requires layers of security on top of layers of security. And it's those aspects that um, generally companies would get moving in this direction anyway, because again, companies are moving toward laptops versus desktops anyway, but it's become all the more important because I don't want to sound condescending, but in some cases, some users are less technically au fait than others. And we want to take that pressure off them. We want to provide them with a good experience and the capabilities that they get in the office, but with their device and without hassle. And it's a real tricky balancing act between the two. I was uh, talking to someone the other day who um, said they were sat, they sat next to someone relatively old school. They, you know, they had their, their passwords stuck to their monitor 
on post-its, that kind of thing, which in old times, you know, it was it was one thing. But um, now that everyone's FaceTiming and apparently the person behind her <laughs> was on a FaceTime and just there you are, all the passwords are now all over the internet. Yeah. If, if the person who, at the other end of that call is slightly less scrupulous than, you know, than they need to be, they can just, they've got it. Yeah. And I think that that's the, whenever you see these um, news articles about children intervening or pets intervening on um, important conference calls or anything like that, yes, they're good for comedy value. But equally, if you have a look in the background, you can tell a lot about a person. And I think um, certainly in um, we, we within Extroverts have got a policy now of using managed backgrounds for Teams calls, for example. And they're not just to look pretty. They, they are important, not just from a an aesthetic business standard perspective, but they can also protect both you as an individual from a privacy perspective. But also, um, if you do have documents or a screen or two in the background that may well reveal some information, uh, either about you or your work or your family, you don't necessarily want to share. And so having those, the, the technologies adapted nearly all of them do these virtual backgrounds now and provide that capability. And that's just one facet of uh, privacy. Let's remember, people um, also have a nasty habit of um, uh, putting passwords in unencrypted documents and then go and email it people. Or they'll put, um, mm. uh, they'll, they'll, they'll trust that the solution is secure without necessarily, without it necessarily being so. Um, so we have to make sure that those resources at an IT level are secure and safe, be it properly securing Office 365 resources, SharePoint and so forth, um, and instituting um, the relevant training for staff as well. And it doesn't have to be chapter and verse, thou shalt not do this, that and the other. It can be just very lightweight basic IT education. Ironically, I would say primary school kids these days are probably better educated and better served at that than um, some adults. As a lead consultant in digital workspace and a multi-year VMware vExpert, how are VMware solutions such as Workspace ONE and Horizon ensuring future-ready workspaces? Well, it's very very interesting because it's a very holistic solution. It can be very catch-all. Again, they're built a set of tools at the end of the day. It's not simply something that's bolted on rails. Uh, once upon a time, um, VMware Horizon was simply virtual desktops. You had your VMware vSphere environment, you stuck up a load of Windows XP, goddamn old, virtual machines and shared them out as desktops to end users. But that's, that was then and since those days, Horizon and Workspace One and all the components that are part of that solution now provide an ability to go from endpoint of managing and controlling and administering endpoint devices, providing user-based security and um, access control measures, um, as well as being able to provision applications, be it on the native device itself, and that can be mobile phones, it can be handheld devices. Uh, we recently had a, a customer discussing Windows CE uh, scan hand scanners uh, being managed with Workspace ONE, for example, um, through to being able to publish corporate standard um, desktops in a virtual desktop context, or even remote published applications similar to, say, Citrix in the past, 
um, even to this day, actually. Uh, so we can have windowed applications that are running on a serve. They look like they're running on your PC, but are actually running in the data center. Um, so we've got that full, full range of capabilities, capabilities across the board um, that could be leveraged. Some might not be appropriate in all cases. Others will be. But it's a tool set nonetheless, and it can generally meet pretty much 90 to 100 percent of business requirements in the both remote working and in office requirements. Okay, so we've talked about providing a secure experience and what you can use to do so. But how do people get started? How do they progress in the digital workspace? I mean, how are companies going to advance and how are organizations like Extrovert supporting businesses in this? Well, I think the first protocol is, as always, me banging my drum, getting the requirements, what it is we're trying to achieve, what it is we're trying to achieve. And Extrovert in that context are very practiced of going in and um, a colleague of mine once described it as uh, being like a psychiatrist. Sit back, relax, tell us your problems. Um, Tell us where your pain points are. What are your users trying to achieve? What is the business trying to achieve? Getting those business requirements, the even the and that includes the end user requirements, um, and then the technical requirements. Where are you now? What are the pain points you're finding with the current world? And where is he? Where is your destination? Where do you want to go? Now, some of that, where do you want to go, may well be aspirational. and We only ever get maybe a percentage of the way down that path. But if that percentage of the way sets you up for reaching the end of that path in however many years time, it may be a roadmap. May not be. We may deliver a solution now that's the first part of a roadmap towards maybe a migration to cloud in the future. Um, and indeed, some of VMware's own solutions work in that work in that context. If you were to buy um, VMware Horizon 8, for example, with their new universal licensing, you're licensed not just for the traditional VMware Horizon on-premises in your own data center, but you're also licensed to be able to deploy desktops in VMware Cloud on AWS uh, or other providers where you've got VMware vSphere in cloud-based data centers. So infrastructure as a service you're still delivering kind of same desktop experience but you've just shifted from your own data center into the cloud partially as it were sort of a hybrid model if you like but then that all of that same license also enables you to go full desktop as a service and that could be in azure so horizon horizon cloud on azure and that's all managed with a cloud backplane so you can shift between the between the three sort of on the ground, slightly in the uh, almost at the cloud, in the cloud slightly to above the clouds. That sort of um, model can be a roadmap to the future. It doesn't have to be set in stone. Yeah, uh, you, you said that kind of sometimes you make this um, roadmap, but it always doesn't always get seen to fruition. What do you see as the stumbling blocks there, and uh, what do you see as the means of getting over them? Is it a skills gap? Is it not having the ops capacity? What's the kind of stop there? Time. Um, not, a lot of it is simply a case of there's lots, like all companies, and the bigger the company, the more this is the case. There are lots of wheels within wheels. There are a lot of technologies that either have been on site and on premises for years, or they've been worked in a particular way, that, that, can, that, that there can be technical difficulties with evolving those. So sometimes those platforms have to evolve as well. So that can, um, it's not a race at the end of the day. It's not a race to the cloud. It's what's 
what is relevant to you. It's what's relevant in the workspace context as well. You may have a legacy application that's 20 years old that is stuck in the data center. How do you um, provide users access to it if they want to work in the context of not 20 years ago being pegged to a desk and able to work anywhere? Well, again, we can provide multiple means to achieve that. If the application doesn't have much in the way of a uh, latency problem or anything like that, we can give them a nice shiny laptop with a, with a virtual private network connection into the into the data center. Great, wonderful. We can access it that way, or we go VDI. So we've got ways and means. But coming back to your original point, what is what's the stumbling block? Often there isn't one stumbling block, and often a lot of these things are simply transitionary stages so like i say it's somewhat aspirational you, you may have an aspiration for example to go all the way into the cloud in however many years time it may even be you have a roadmap of time but it can take time to get there because you may well have to train your staff um, both it and users but also you've got all this peripheral services it's not just about the endpoints it's also about the applications and data so we have to look at the big picture and some of these things a ship can only move as fast as the slowest, uh, sorry, a fleet can only move as fast as the slowest ship. So you kind of mentioned there that there's the time constraint, there's the capacity constraint, the upskilling time. Is there a way that companies can approach some sort of managed service provider? You mentioned about the fleet can only go as fast as the slowest boat, but what if the boat suddenly at the back suddenly got given an engine? Yeah, and I think that that's a really good analogy. Um, full of analogies today um, so we can look at it from a point of view of um, you, you can try and do this all yourself um, and there are indeed some very very well-trained people who, who very good experienced people within companies that are quite capable of dealing with a lot of um, the technologies that are there however you might have an organization that has limited budgets limited number of personnel but lots of things you have to look after at which point it then begs the question, well, for certain services, are you better off actually providing leveraging um, be it cloud services or even a managed service provider to um, provide support on those elements so you don't have to necessarily maintain those skills in-house and you free up your own personnel to deal with the specialized IT in your business. So instead of having to have um, staff who maintain your infrastructure uh, virtualization platforms or even um, the certain aspects of the virtual, uh, maybe VDI or um, uh, workspace management solutions such as Workspace ONE. Having a managed service provider just keep that fed and watered. And basically, you make requests to them, they, they deal with it. Let them deal with what they know. They're the experts in it. You pay them the money. Let them deal with that while your people can focus on your industry specific IT needs. So it might be your your core service applications um, and servicing requirements and indeed finding out what those requirements are in the first place. Let them look at what the business needs and the very business specific technologies are and dare I say the humdrum stuff of infrastructure and the components behind that uh, this, on top of that can be managed by a managed service provider just as well in a lot of cases. Humdrum, how very dare you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that, that's kind of summing up the, the, um, the end of the path. So, But for anyone looking to start the journey, looking at uh, a significant change or upgrade in 
in relationship to digital workspace. It can be quite daunting, but Extrovert have now kind of given users the means to try the most popular technologies in a secure environment. What can you tell us about the Extrovert Customer Experience Center and the digital workspace uh, offerings that it has inside? Well, the Customer Experience Center um, is a platform based on uh, VMware um, VMware stack solutions um, in an on-premises context. So we've deployed a VMware vSphere environment with uh, VMware Horizon on top of that to provide uh, a workspace, a desktop and application work, uh, experience with Workspace ONE access uh, to provide ac- uh, to provide a portal to access those services and indeed web links. So in that context, a user can access um, our uh, CEC via Workspace ONE. And as a user, we've got multi-factor authentication um, using um, VMware Verify. Uh, so effectively, a user will go to the web portal, uh, log in with their credentials and get past, get past the request to punch in there to authenticate with them with VMware Verify, which is a simple application pushed out, a, a simple application installed on a uh, mobile phone, uh, be it an iPhone or Android. Once they're then authenticated, they can then click on the relevant service that they've been entitled to. So that might be a uh, Windows 10 virtual desktop, or it might be a link to a web application. Um, now, being, an, uh, being a, a customer experience center, it's rather generic. So we've not integrated um, into specific bespoke requirements because we're demo- demonstrating to particular customers. But unlike, say, larger corporate environments where um, we, uh, where you get a very generic experience. If you engage with with extrovert, we can, um, in in some instances, put a put a somewhat more bespoke experience around there. So we can put a nice shiny wallpaper in there, or we can um, customize certain aspects of it, integrate into certain web services, provide links, and so forth. Um, depending on how what the mileage is. Within the CEC, we can also demonstrate further technologies that VMware have, so some of the vRealize uh, suites, those sort of uh, tooling as well. Um, somewhat, a, somewhat a combination of sales showroom and technical example. That's cool. So I, I was checking out the um, webpage for it beforehand, extrovert.com forward slash CEC. You've kind of cut things into... Um, product test solution demonstration and proof of concept. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those kind of the solution stacks underneath them and the, and the value that this can bring to customers? Yeah, so let's take the uh, proof of concept idea as being a good one. Now, obviously, bearing in mind I'm, uh, I'm the lead consultant in the end user computer practice, so I'm going to be a little bit biased. Um, but effectively, what we can do in that context is a proof of concept. We might be looking at a customer who's interested in going virtual desktop, but they want to see whether it will work for them, but without necessarily going the whole hog of setting up um, an evaluation on site, which obviously implies setting up resources, servers, and it's all time consuming for something that may be transitory if they don't like it. So what we can do in that context is we can say, well, okay, we'll set up a number of users your users can, here's, here's some credentials, you can log in and you can get that desktop experience. You want some applications? What applications do you want? We can use app volumes to deploy uh, traditional thick applications, being Microsoft Office or WinZip, um, to a uh, virtual desktop, depending on the context of who they are. Um, we can administer certain policies so we can alter the look and feel of the desktop. 
Um, and we can indeed provide them with um, uh, some ability to uh, look at certain other services within that environment as well. So it might be um, they might have somebody who's technical is interested in vRealize operations. So we might give them some ability to look at some dashboards, that sort of thing. They're, they're obviously, that's, that's strength from my remit somewhat. But uh, the capabilities are there to be able to demonstrate those kind of capabilities. We can either look at it as a walkthrough. Um, so say we can work work with the pre-sales consultant to take you through it, show you what what a VMware world looks like, as it were, um, or we can give you some grace and have, have a look and look and look and feel experience and use the solution in that demo context. Um, and indeed, we can we have the ability within the CEC as well to test ideas and um, demonstrate concepts. So if a customer has a rather bespoke requirement, there are certain capabilities we can leverage in there because we control the environment. Okay, so without sounding too trite, it's a, it's a very, it's a strong try before you buy, which probably isn't something that has been available in this space before, I guess? Not in such a bespoke manner. VMware have their own equivalent, for example, their hands-on labs, and it's a very good platform, particularly as a training tool, but it is somewhat on rails. You have certain experiences and it's designed to be something for everybody. Whereas in our case, we can, we're a bit, we can be a little bit more boutique about it. It looks like all indicators are pointing to hybrid working models becoming a larger part of the business world for the foreseeable future. And by the sounds of things, it's not really a surprise to anyone, but I think we all know that COVID pushed everyone's plans forward considerably. From what I'm hearing, the key takeaways at this point are that if you've got a digital workspace solution set up and running already, now would be a good time to check it over. Look out for those warning signs of wear and tear, a bit of bloat, a bit of stretch, any security issues, because this isn't baggage that you want to take forwards. It's so much more important to get on top of it now. And if you're not sure about how, or if you're worried about the pressure it might put your teams under, then maybe it's a time to look at a managed service provider to come in and manage that side of things for you. I think also picking up on a key point you mentioned quite earlier, um, quite early on, is if you have got a good solid foundation underneath you and a happy workforce, not only are you doing a sterling job and you should definitely be commended for what you've achieved so far, but you should never take your eyes off the horizon. It's a, always it's a shifting um, environment and you've got to make sure that you're up to date, you're moving with the trends and rolling out the new features, not just to stay competitive as a business, but to retain employees, improve recruitment efforts. Because if people are using this for eight hours a day, you need it to be the best experience possible. Yeah. And to anyone that's listening that might not have a solution in place already or are looking to change what they're using, um, there's no need to despair. It can be a daunting prospect, you know, taking on a digital workspace solution, but there are good people out there. There are companies out there such as Extrovert that are happy to help get you up and running no matter where you are on your journey, even if you don't even know where you are on your journey, we tell you the questions you should be asking so that we can tailor solutions for you. But whether you're looking to up your game, start afresh or scope a new solution, why not try the Extrovert Customer Experience Center? It's a great place to get your hands on the latest technology, um, take a test drive of the latest digital workspace solutions such as VMware Workspace ONE, VMware Horizon, um, all the underlying stuff. I think there's NSX in there. We've got uh, VCF, we definitely have vSphere. We're also running Roomcast and Veeam in there as well. If you are keen to kind of get hands-on, try out the Extrovert CEC, 
and you'd like to request a demo to see VMware's digital workspace solutions in action, then head over to extrovert.com forward slash CEC. To find out more about Extrovert, you can go to the extrovert.com website, or if you just want to say hello and drop us an email, you can get us at info at extrovert.com. To get your fix of all things cloud and digital transformation, all episodes of Cloud Insiders are available to stream from all popular podcast sites. Curtis, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure as ever, uh, and we shall speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.